an angel appears at a faculty meeting and addresses the dean and says, because of your exemplary, unselfish behavior, the Lord has granted you a wish. You can either have infinite wisdom, wealth, or beauty. And the dean said, I'll take wisdom. And the angel said, done. And then a flash of smoke, the angel's gone, and the dean's just kind of sitting there with this little glow about him. But he doesn't say anything. And finally, one of the professors says, Dean, are you not going to say anything? He said, I should have taken the money. This morning, I want to talk to you about the wisdom of God. I don't know what comes to your mind when you hear the word wisdom. Wisdom. Some have defined it as the difference between wisdom and knowledge is knowledge is an accumulation of information. Wisdom is knowing how to best use that information. I read this week about some wisdom from young people. Uh, from ages about eight and up, and I'm just sharing a few with you. Patrick, age 10, says, never trust your dog to watch your food. (laughs) Matthew, age 12, says, when you want something expensive, ask your grandparents. (laughs) Rosemary, age 7, never tried to hide a piece of broccoli in a glass of milk. (laughs) I think we've tried that one. Lamar, age 10, don't flush the toilet when your dad is in the shower. (laughs) Michael, age 14, never tell your mom her diet's not working. (laughs) Joel, age 12, don't pick on your sister when she's holding a baseball bat. (laughs) Alicia, age 13, when you get a bad grade in school, show it to your mom when she's on the phone. (laughs) Laura, age 13, never try to baptize a cat. Rob, age 10, beware of cafeteria food when it looks like it's moving. Two more, Cynthia, age 8, forget the cake, go for the icing. And then Heather, age 16, when your dad is mad and asks you, do I look stupid, don't answer. (laughs) I want to invite you to open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians, I had an amen, thank you. I think some of y'all have experienced some of those things. That's a little scary. Here's the point that I want you to see this morning. There's a big difference in what the world tries to hand you and calls wisdom. It may be knowledge. The wealth of information, it is incredible how fast information is growing. Someone said knowledge is exploding at such a rate more than 2,000 pages a minute that even Einstein couldn't keep up. In fact, if you read 24 hours a day from age 21 to 70 and retained all you read, you would still be one and a half million years behind when you reached age 70. So it's not that we lack information in this world. I mean, that's what we call the Internet, right? The information superhighway. You don't even have to know anything anymore as long as you can Google. You can get the answer like that as long as you got Internet, all right? So, so our problem is not lack of information. The problem is the lack of using the information in a godly fashion, using it wisely. And so Paul has already contrasted in the last chapter man's wisdom versus God's wisdom. He's going to unpack that a little bit more, just about the message that he brought to the people in Corinth. And just, just to catch you up, Corinth was about as far as you could get away from Jerusalem in that day. Over in Greece... Corinth was a wicked city, 
In fact, some of the historians that you read, when somebody entered the culture, once they had finally immersed themselves into literally the, the wickedness of the culture, they would say that you had been Corinthianized. You would just kind of fit into the wicked, debauched life of Corinth. Paul had spent 18 months there leading people to Christ. He had pastored the church in Corinth for 18 months. He left. He left a guy behind named Apollos. And now Paul is over perhaps in Ephesus when he writes back to the church. And folks, he addresses head on the issues that were in the church. From, from chapter 1, the first issue he deals with is divisions. There's divisions in the church. And Paul names names. But he comes then to the point. Let me just read the first five verses of chapter 2. Paul speaking, he says, When I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. So that, your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. So the first thing I want you to see is the superiority of God's wisdom. Paul says, listen, when I was there among you, I didn't fit into the culture in this way. Corinthians, Greek culture, even Roman culture of the day, they loved to hear new philosophy. When somebody new came to town... They'd, they'd get up a meeting because they just loved to hear them. didn't matter whether they agreed with them or not. They may actually end up arguing with them. They just loved hearing new information. When you go over and visit ruins today, even in the Holy Land, in Greece, in Rome, you'll find these things called baths. Men love to come in there and kind of work up a sweat and then soak in the tub for a while. Then they'd get it dressed and go sit in a meeting room and just, just discuss philosophy. And so Paul says, I, I didn't come like that. I didn't come with some new philosophy. I came with the message of Jesus Christ. In fact, he said, I determined to know nothing among you. I determined not to get on that philosophical level. I came just to give you the straight message of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Can I just say to you, even in that day, kind of like our day, people don't mind you talking about Jesus. You start talking about the fact he was put to death. Back in the time of Paul, people didn't mind religion. But when you started talking about the fact that the Savior of the world, sent from God, came, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, rose from the dead three days later, folks, that's the heart of the gospel. You can talk about all the peripheral stuff, and most people don't mind you talking about religion. But when you talk about Jesus Christ and the fact that he was crucified for your sins. Because <laughs> when you get to crucifixion, you've got to explain why he was crucified. He was crucified because I'm a sinner. He was crucified because you're a sinner. And we're separated from God. That makes people uncomfortable. But Paul says, you know what? When I came, I came with... That was the message. That was the best I got. Now keep in mind, that what, Paul didn't just have one message. Paul says in other places, I preached the whole counsel of God to you. And yet, folks, that was the basis, that was the platform for anything else that Paul said. It started right there at the fact that God's wisdom superior 
The message of the cross is superior to anything you're going to hear on the world in the world. And so Paul even put it this way. He said, I came in weakness, in fear, and in trembling. When I read that this week, I thought, that didn't sound like Paul. Folks, Paul was as bold as it came. I mean, like I said, Paul took names and named sources and, you know, got right in their face. In fact, when you read the book of Galatians, at the end of the book, he says, see with what large letters I'm writing. Scholars believe that Paul had an eye condition and typically did not write himself. He had a scribe or an amanuensis that would take dictation for him. And Paul apparently was so mad at the end of Galatians, he took the pen himself and said, I don't know if he was writing one of them big pencils you get in the first grade, you know. But apparently he's saying, see with what large letters I'm writing. In other words, this is coming from me, and I'm ticked off. You're not living for God. And he kind of starts that way in Corinthians. So listen, when you hear that Paul came in weakness and in fear and trembling, understand, it, Paul was not saying that I, I'm over here shivering in a corner, cowering in a corner to tell you the message. I think Paul was overwhelmed with the significance of the task. And so Paul said, I approach this. In fact, the, the two Greek words for fear and trembling are phobu, we get the word phobia, and trauma, we get the word trauma. Paul says, that's how important the message is. That's how important the task is that I'm bringing to you. I'm not coming like your philosophy teachers. Why? Because Paul didn't want to give them a new philosophy. Paul wanted to give them new life. He didn't just want their mind to be changed with a new idea. Paul wanted their life to be changed. And folks, I see that even in this day and age. Some church people, all they get is right here. It never affects their heart. It never affects their life. So Paul says, I didn't come to give you this new philosophy. I didn't come with persuasive words of wisdom. The word persuasive means to convince by argument. I never heard this until I visited Ukraine a few years ago. And over there, the English translation for preacher is persuader. So a guy kept coming up to me and saying, now, you're a persuader from the United States? I'm like, a persuader? What does that mean? I, f I felt like I was a salesman or something. <laughs> Buy my product. Let me persuade you. Paul said, listen, I didn't, come with I didn't come with human wisdom. I didn't come with human methodology. Again, I didn't come with human philosophy. Why? Because I didn't want your faith to rest on men. One of the scary things that I see happening in the church today is that for some people the message rests on the messenger. Some preachers are so clever. Some preachers are so good at, at saying something. I went to a, a, a men's event with a group of men a number of years ago and we got back on the bus and the guys were talking about this one particular speaker and there had been about five that night. And it had been a great evening. God had moved. It was incredible. Great time of worship. But the preacher they picked out who said, wasn't he great? I said, let me ask you something. What did he say? And they all looked at me. What do you mean? I was like, he said nothing really well. What do you mean? Well, yeah, I mean, he was effective, he was dynamic, he was creative, he was funny. But at the end of the day, he didn't say anything. Be careful that we don't assemble for ourselves those kind of preachers that just entertain us. Now, it's nice if you've got a preacher that doesn't put you to sleep. It scares me a little bit every, every day I stand at there, every Sunday I stand at the back door, there's going to be at least one kid go by that's just zonked out. I'm just glad his parents woke up in time to get him out of here, but you know. I understand that. That's okay. I've been there. <laughs> All right. So I'm, I'm fine with you going somewhere where you're hearing preaching that keeps you awake. But ask yourself the question, is there any depth here? 
Is this just modern philosophy? Is this just if every sermon starts off with how to? You can get that at Barnes & Noble. In fact, you can download it now on your Kindle for free. Be careful that you're getting the unadulterated Word of God. Why? Because you, you don't want your faith resting on the wisdom of men. You don't want your faith to be wrapped up in a person. You want it to be wrapped up in power. And the power is the power of the cross. The Greek word for power is dunamis, and it means dynamite. And Folks, I said this last week. When you look at the cross, one of the things you ought to think about is explosive power. Because that represents where Jesus Christ paid the penalty for your sin. And He's not there anymore. He's also not in a grave anymore. There's, I've been to the Holy Land four times. There's two, two places they think may have been the tomb of Christ. They have one thing in common. Both of them are empty. Because Jesus Christ conquered death in the grave. So Paul says, I don't want your, I don't want your faith resting on me I want your, or human ability. I want it resting on the power of God. Literally dynamite from God. Then Paul goes on. Let me read the next few verses. Yet, we do speak wisdom among those who are mature. A wisdom, however, not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are passing away. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory. The wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood. For if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. For just as it is written, things which eye has not seen nor ear heard, and which have not entered into the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. So Paul said, listen, I didn't come with flowery speech. I didn't come with the wisdom of the world. And yet we do speak wisdom, but we speak it to those who are mature. It's not of this age or this eon. It's not of this place. It's not from the rulers of this world that are passing away. Basically saying all these philosophers that you're hearing from, the people who put themselves first in priority, first in rank, Guess what? They're all going to die. And their philosophy's dying with them. Because there's no power in it. It just sounded good for a little while. It tickled your ears. So the wisdom that we're bringing is not that kind of wisdom. In fact, we speak wisdom in a mystery. I don't know what you think about when you hear the word mystery. Perhaps you're thinking about a particular genre of movies or television shows, you know. Mystery. The word mystery means a secret. It, literally, the root of it means to shut the mouth. It's, it's why I've got this pot up here. Some of you have been wondering, what in the world? Did somebody leave some of their cooking ware up there? Are we having a demonstration? Julia Childs is going to be here a little later. Students are going, who's that? Actually, we had some a drip over here earlier, so I had to... No, that's not why this pot is out here either. Here's what I want you to think about when you hear the word mystery. It means the cover's been put on something. You don't know what's in this pot. Would you like to know what's in this pot? Nothing. It's just a pot. It's just empty. Hear that? Nothing in there. Air. Actually, I've sucked all the air out of it. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't do that. There's a top on it. Here's, here's what I want you to think about. The mystery is this. The mystery, the word mystery and what Paul's talking about is not a puzzle that man could figure out. It's not like Sudoku. It's not like a jigsaw puzzle. You're like, man, that's a mystery, but I've got a picture here. I'm going to put the puzzle together. Man cannot discover the mystery. We're going to talk in a minute how we do get it. But I want you to think about the mystery of God. There's a, there's a lid on it. And human philosophy, human wisdom cannot penetrate and tell you what the mystery of God is. It's a secret. The mouth has been shut. 
And Paul says, now we do speak that kind of mystery to the mature people, to the complete, to the ones that God is bringing into completion. The ones who are becoming followers of Christ, they began to understand the mystery. I'm going to explain a little bit more about that in a minute. But Paul spoke the wisdom of God in a mystery. And here's what he's saying. Listen, from the beginning of time, predestined from ages ago, God had already determined how you and I would receive the gospel. He's already determined that Jesus Christ would come to die on the cross. That's hard to wrap my mind around, but it means this. God was not caught off guard by Adam and Eve in the garden. It didn't upset his plan. He didn't have to go to plan B. God, in his foreknowledge, knew that you and I would need a Savior. When he sent the Ten Commandments, God was not surprised. He wasn't caught off guard. He's like, why can't they keep those Ten Commandments? Listen, God gave us the law, but the thing the law proved is how much we desperately needed a Savior. So the way you and I are glorified, is through trusting in the gospel. That's been God's plan from the beginning. And Paul said that's the simple message that we're preaching. That's really at the heart of the mystery. We're going to unpack a little bit more of it in just a minute. But that's the mystery that through Christ you come to understand. And then he quotes, loosely quotes, a couple of verses from Isaiah. Eyes not seen, ears not heard. Basically, you, you haven't heard, you haven't seen, you, your mind is not even imagined. All of the things that God has for you. And here's the criteria for those who love Him. Those who love Jesus Christ, God has got an incredible storehouse prepared for you. So then how do we get it? The last passage, the revelation of God's wisdom. Let me read the rest of the chapter. For to us God revealed them through the Spirit For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them, because they are spiritually appraised. But he who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Here's good news. The mystery has been revealed i got a stack of Bibles, and I'm pretty sure I don't have any repeating up here. I've got King James, New King James, NIV, NASB, NASBU, uh, ESV, um, Good News for Modern Man. Anybody remember growing up with that, Good News for Modern Man? That's the one we used when I was a youth group. The illustrations were stick figures. I thought, that's the best you got. I'm going to... For illustration purpose, let me let me get a helper. Joseph, come here a minute. You mind me using you? Are you embarrassed in front of a group of people? Good. I am, man. I get up here every Sunday. I think, man, people are looking at me. It kind of scares me. I asked Joseph why he wears the beanie. He said it's because the girl next to him keeps blowing in his ear, and it's really disturbing. It's distracting him. 
All right, so I, I just want you to pick a verse of Scripture. Can you just read one verse? You okay reading out loud? All right, just any verse. Just pick it and read it for us. Why not? Obvious. Is it obvious to y'all that he can't read? Get some of the hair out of your eyes. Hold on. Wait a minute. All right, Joseph. All right, there you go. All right. Just any verse. I messed your, I messed your do up. I'm sorry. You actually look like the, what's the, the snow skier. Sean, man, you look kind of like it. Do you snow ski? Actually, he snowboards. I never even tried that. That's not a sport for fat people, is it? All right. What are you trying to say, Joseph? He just looked at me and just went. <laughs> All right, Joseph, why can't you read that? Because it's not in English. It's not in English. Oh, thank you, man. That was good. This is actually Ukrainian. Give, give Joseph a hand. Obviously, I can't read that. Well, you didn't know he couldn't read it, but as soon as he opened it, he's looking at words he ain't never seen before. Ukrainian Bible. When I was over there preaching a number of years ago, one of the things I wanted to bring home with me was a Ukrainian Bible. I got on the plane with it, and I thought, this is one of the dumbest things I've ever done. We've been sending missionaries to the Ukraine, spending hundreds of thousands of dollars trying to get Bibles into the country, and I'm now taking it out of the country as a souvenir. So this, I can't read it either, Joseph. I don't, under, I, don't read, I don't read that. How about this one? This is just the Old Testament, Joseph. Does that look any better? That's Hebrew. This is just the Hebrew Bible. In fact, to read it, you actually have to start in the back and read from right to left. That's, that's confusing enough, all right? Here, here's the point. Listen, if you don't know God... God allows you a little bit into the mystery of the gospel to come to faith in Christ. But the reason that I didn't read the Bible before I came to God, I, didn't, I couldn't understand it. It was like trying to read Hebrew or Greek or Ukrainian. Here's what happens through the Spirit of God. You come to faith in Christ and the Spirit illumines the Word. Let me just say something about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not an it. I grew up in church, you know, the church I grew up in, too, was referred to as the Holy Ghost, and that just sounded scary. And the reason they use the word ghost is the word for spirit is the word pneuma. It literally means breath. And so, in a sense, it is that, but if that freaks you out, it's the Holy Spirit. I also grew up in in a church that was kind of like Acts 19. When Paul got to this place in Acts, he said, have you heard about the Holy Spirit? And they said, no, we had never heard about the Holy Spirit. You don't hear a lot of teaching about the Holy Spirit. One of the things Jesus said the Holy Spirit would do, he said, I'm going to send another helper, helper, a comforter, one who will remind you of all the things I've told you. He's going to illumine the Word of God for you. As you read the Word of God, he's going to help you understand it and apply it to your life. The other thing about my stack of Bibles here, these are just some of the ones in my office. Why does anybody need this many Bibles? In fact, I have, this is a cool one. This is the Gullah New Testament. Anybody ever read Gullah? This is really cool. I like the way the, these people just, it's just, it's hard to read, but once you kind of get in the rhythm of it, it's really a kind of cool language. I like it. Okay, why in the world does anybody need this many Bibles? When I was over in Ukraine, one of the things we were doing was passing Bibles out, and as we handed those Bibles to people, they'd break down and cry. I'm thinking, I got stacks of Bibles at home. I got a Bible for a wedding present that was like a coffee table Bible. It had the pictures of presidents in the back of it. 
I never have quite understood how that happened. But up till about Jimmy Carter, it had all the president's pictures and stuff about then. And I go, what's that doing in the Bible? Well, what do we do with coffee table Bibles? You leave them on the coffee table, you don't read them. They collect dust. So if you're a child of God and you're not understanding the Bible, one reason is maybe you're not opening it. And I encourage you, you need to open it to get it. But as you open it, the Spirit illuminates it for us. Literally, God, Paul says, for God has revealed these mysteries to us through the Spirit. Here's what the word reveal means. It means to take off the cover. That's what God's done. God's taken the cover off the mysteries. This isn't some secret that you've got to have a special handshake to learn. This is a mystery that God says, I will reveal to you. You and I can't get it. We receive it. We don't take hold of it. It's something that has to be given to us. It's grace. It's the grace of God. We understand these mysteries because of His grace through the person of the Holy Spirit, His activity in our life. Paul says the cover has been taken off. Why? Because the Spirit searches all things. Even the depths of God. The Spirit understands and knows even the profound things of God which cannot be known without the Spirit. Folks, I believe no matter how long you study Scripture, in fact, I believe the more you study Scripture, the more you realize how deep are the things of God. Unfathomable. And yet it makes you thirsty for more. You want to keep deep diving into it to know more And the more you know, the more you realize how vast God is, how huge, how deep are the things of God. And the only way we know it is because the Spirit of God, who searches all things, knows the depths of God, illuminates it and teaches us, tells us about it. One of the best ways we get it is through Scripture. Now, there's other ways. I mean, God could speak to you in ways other than the Scripture. Now, to be careful, if you ever sense God is saying something to you, Maybe through prayer or maybe through a, a brother or a sister in Christ or a preacher. If what that person says or what you think you're getting in prayer doesn't square with the Word of God, it isn't from God. Because God's not the author of confusion. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So be careful. I've had people tell me that. God told me. <laughs> I was riding down the road with a good friend of mine one day and he said, God's told me we're not going to have any more children. I said, really, how'd that happen? I mean, was it like a voice? Did you hear that? I mean, I was interested. I was trusting this guy because I knew he was, a, he was a minister, you know. God told me we're not having more children. I said, how did that happen? And he, he said, well, actually, he told my wife. I said, oh. <laughs> I said, he told your wife you're not going to have any more children. And now she's told you. He said, that's right. And so about two weeks later, I got a call from him. He said, you don't believe what happened. I said, what? He said, my wife's pregnant. Like, oh, I guess that wasn't God that told you that, was it? So be careful what you ascribe to God. But the Spirit can speak to you. The Spirit can speak to you in this message this morning. You know what's cool about it? He could speak to you about something I ain't even said. You ever done that? Maybe the preacher said something that sparked something, and maybe God, God took you down a path you needed to hear. I don't encourage you to always tune out the preachers, but sometimes God may have a word for you. Go, go for it. Go with it. Just make sure it squares with Scripture. Paul says he has received, he has delved the depths of God. 
For we have received this from the Spirit of God. It's not something we discover. It's something that has to be revealed. And then in verse 12, he says, Now we've received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things, how? Freely given us by God. Freely given, literally through His grace. That's my favorite definition of the word grace. It means this, receiving something you didn't deserve. That's grace. The church word is unmerited favor. But the word I understood better is getting something you don't deserve. Folks, I don't deserve the mysteries of God. I don't deserve the gospel. I don't deserve Jesus Christ dying on the cross for me. I didn't deserve that. But that's why he had to die on the cross. Because I could not in myself be right with God. It had to happen because of his grace. And the gospel was revealed to me. And now as a follower of Christ, I'm growing in Christ. A word called sanctification is taking place in my life because the Holy Spirit is teaching me through the Word of God. And he says, you know what? The natural man can't accept that. There may be somebody in this room this morning that says, Preacher, you lost me. Somewhere along the way, you start talking about mysteries. That's just boulder dash or whatever. We've already told you in the first chapter the Jews, for the Jews, the message of the gospel was a stumbling block. They kept tripping over it. For the Greeks, it was foolishness. The word is moron. It was absurd, the word of the cross. And yet Paul says, for us who are being saved, it's the very power of God. So it's not foolish. Because these are spiritual things we're talking about. These things are spiritually judged, spiritually appraised. Paul said those who are spiritual appraise all things, judge all things, but they're not, a ju- they're not judged by any man. Listen, the world loves to take even the Word of God at times and tell you what it means. And it will normally start with this. Well, my Bible says. You ever heard people say, as soon as they say that, you kind of go, what, have you been adding to the Bible? Have you been writing something in there? That's how it said that because my Bible doesn't say that. Be careful. The world will love to even use God in conversation to try to teach you who are a Christian. And they don't know God. Light bulb needs to go off. Flags need to be waving. Whoop! Alien approaching. (laughs) Be careful. And then the last verse. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Let me quickly tell you how that looks. When Jesus met those men on the rode to Emmaus after the crucifixion. They didn't recognize him. But it said he started with Moses and started unpacking all the Scripture, the Old Testament, to point to himself. Then finally at dinner, when he broke the bread, they recognized him. I don't know if it's because they saw the nails in his hands or if it's because God opened their eyes. But they run back to Jerusalem. And they're telling the disciples and others there gathered in the room about what had just happened. And it said Jesus shows up in their midst. And it says that Jesus opened their mind to understand the Scriptures. That's how we have the mind of Christ. Through faith in Jesus Christ, your mind is opened up to understand the Word of God. And I understand that when you first come to Christ, it's difficult. You've got to study. Sometimes you've got to underline stuff and ask questions. You've got to go back to your youth pastor or, the, or a leader at your church, somebody you trust, and you just say, could you explain this to me because I don't get it. You know what? There's still things I read that I'm going, I don't understand that. 
God, could you help me understand that? And I'll ask people, do you, do you get that? Do you kind of understand why that says that, the way it says that? But the more you walk with Christ, the more you understand the depths of the glory of God. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that the mystery hadn't stayed a mystery. Thank you that it hadn't been hidden forever, but you've made a way for the cover to come off. Through Jesus Christ and through the work of the Holy Spirit, you've taken the lid off the mystery and it's been revealed. And it starts at the cross. It starts at the empty tomb where Jesus Christ died and rose so that we could know Him. God, apply that thought to our life this week. I pray, God, that one of the things that would happen among people in this place is they'd read their Bible more. If they truly are children of God, that they would just say, Holy Spirit, as I read this morning this passage, would you help me understand it? And beyond just human wisdom that I'm getting here or intellectual information, would you apply it to my heart? Would you penetrate my life? God, your Word tells us that your Word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to pierce to the division of joint and marrow. It's able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Father, I pray that that would be our experience this week as we open Your Word. And it literally leaps off the page into our life. God, if there's somebody in this place this morning that says, Robert, I just, I just sense God's telling me, I don't know God. I don't know Him. I've never come to faith in Christ. God, I pray today would be the day of their salvation. God, I thank You that we come not with all the information. We come just as we are to the cross and acknowledge our need of a Savior because we can't possibly know the mysteries of God apart from God. So God, touch hearts in this place this morning. In Christ's name, amen. You may wonder in a place like this, you know, they don't, they don't give come forward invitations. We're not inviting you to join the chapel this morning. But I'm inviting you. If you're one of those people that God's speaking to this morning and you just re- realize, I need to trust Christ, my Lord and Savior. I want to encourage you, if you're a student, go to one of your youth leaders. If you're here without a, a group, talk to somebody that you trust their walk with Christ. I, I'll be standing at the back door. I'd love to talk to you. I pray this week would be one of the best weeks you've ever had in just opening the Word of God every single day. Make a, make a commitment today before you leave. God, every day I'm going to open your Word, and I'm going to read at least one verse. If you don't know where to start, start with the book of John. Or if you're going to be here week after week, start with 1 Corinthians. Let's stand together if you close.